Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Frequent listeners will know that frequent guest Carrie and I, who are engaged, when we got together, each brought our own children in. And between the two of us, there are seven of them. After this episode, there will only be two left who have not been on the show, and we'll get them eventually. My guest this evening, Brenna Moen. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Unfortunately, you're here to talk about (laughs) Grace Unplugged from 2013. It is the third Christian movie I've done on this show. It is the second Christian movie I've done in the show with Grace in the title. Um, this one's a little different in that this was actually put out by like when it starts and you get the Lionsgate logo and the Orion logo and the Roadside Attractions logo. Like this actually was put out by a respectable company of sorts, unlike the other two that I've done. Um, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I listened to the other uh, two Christian movie podcasts you did. I listened to, I think, the first ten episodes, so I think I managed to skate away from the other Christian ones. But, yeah, this movie, it wasn't as bad as I was anticipating it to be. I've definitely seen more than my fair share of weird Christian movies, and comparing them, it, it wasn't that bad, but it was not by any means good. No, it's actually a movie, and it actually has, and we'll get to them, but like recognizable faces in it, and I feel sad for them. But it still has the same, maybe not quite as bad as. It was like Welcome to, pa- Welcome to Paradise actually had like a pretty good message and was so a surprisingly decent movie. Saved by Grace had a reprehensible message. Um, this one's not great. Maybe not as bad as that one. Uh, people might remember the moral of that story was um, it's cool if God kills your wife because you might the girl you need to meet later is waiting. <laughs> like, Are you serious? Are you? Oh, my God. Yeah, you should listen to that episode. It's, it's a trip. Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, this one has a couple morals that are... I'm sure Christians uh, applaud, but I I take issue with some things. Yeah, I don't know if I was supposed to do this, but I did end up, like, reading a ton of the reviews. Because, like, from what a lot of, like, the Christian standard that I grew up with, because I was raised Mormon, surprisingly enough. Not good. Um, And a lot of the Christian movies that I watched from that had a lot of, like, really intense questioning worlds, and this one didn't seem as intense. And I was... I was like, I was pleasantly surprised because it wasn't as shamey and terrible. It still like had a weird ending and like pushed the main character to like a point that I don't think was right for her. And like, I don't know, it was weird. It was very strange. And I like read a lot of the reviews and um, I guess there was enough undertone of like shaming Christian behavior that like a lot of those shamey Christian types really, really enjoyed it. And I was like, I didn't. I didn't think it was that shamey, but okay. I don't know. Well, no, because it sets itself up as a movie that's going to be, like, as a real prodigal son type story. And what you 
at least what I suspected was going to happen was this girl's going to be warned that like Hollywood is this terrifying place and she's going to get there and she's going to be like assaulted and become a drug addict and then she's going to have to like repent at the end proving dad right and none of that happens nothing that happens to this girl like this is white privilege the movie like white teenage girl the movie because nothing that happens to her is really bad at all no i was i was like waiting for that with like bated breath and i was like please don't let this be one of those movies because i don't like seeing that stuff but um yeah none of that happened but like something that i picked up on too is like they didn't I was really worried because, like, in one scene in the beginning of the movie, I don't know if you want to get into, like, the whole breakdown of what happened in the movie yet, but, like, the dad gives her a purity ring, so I thought this was going to be, like, all about her purity and her virginity, and I was like, oh, dear, no, not another one, Uh, not another one of those, but, like, it seemed to be more so her just, like, setting up boundaries and her trying to set up boundaries, like, with what she was comfortable with her dad and what she was comfortable with her religion and what she was comfortable doing in Hollywood, too. And there wasn't, like, a big, horrible, shaming aspect of, like... I didn't feel like it was really overplayed or, like, the fact that the other people that were participating in Hollywood culture were, like, horrible, terrible, like, slutty, awful, God-sitting people. And, like, there was some subtext and undertones of that, but it wasn't, like, at the forefront of it. And I feel like that wasn't shoved down my throat by any means. And it just seemed to be more so about her figuring herself out and her setting up boundaries and what she was and was not comfortable with and she was very very lucky and very very privileged that nobody pushed those boundaries any further because like that could have been a whole different movie but yeah the worst thing that happens to her is a boy turns out to be an asshole which sorry honey that can happen back in alabama too like that's not a hollywood exclusive problem you're gonna run into well, <laughs> also another thing that i noticed too is like they weren't being honest with each other too like that was another constant at play where like at the very beginning grace was being reprimanded for like her dishonesty like going to the movies instead of to like her little wednesday night prayer group or whatever it was and um that seemed to be like a theme that would occasionally pop up throughout the movie as well is like grace wasn't being honest that's a sin that's gonna bite her in the ass later but like that's not a bad moral to impose on people and to like try to but it, it was taken a little to like a weird extreme i felt like but also like if she had just been honest with her producer about her inability to write from the beginning, if her producer was honest about, like, hey, this is Hollywood, this is a setup, we're going to set you up with this person, it's all just a publicity son. I mean, I feel like if they were very honest about, like, their goals, their intentions, their plans all along, that it wouldn't have been a problem, and it also probably wouldn't have been a movie, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah, there's that, too. We can, yeah, there's a lot there. Let's get, let's start getting into the plot, and we'll hit those points as we go. Um, okay. Also, before we begin, I started writing down every single time there was some sort of montage, and I'm not <laughs> sure if, like, normal movies have a ton of montages, and I just didn't realize it, but as soon as I started writing it down, I was like, oh my god, there's a lot of weird little mini montages in this movie. What's up with that? But anyways, I know that's, like, an easy transition, but it just, like, felt like, whoa, montage after montage after montage after montage. It was strange. Yeah, and there's also moments where it feels like a scene is missing because, like, instead of shooting a scene where Grace and Dad have an argument, you cut to a scene of her explaining the argument to her friend, Mm. her token black friend. (laughs) I know. I wrote that down, too, and I was like, oh, boy. I mean, they made at least they made they got one 
person of color in the movie, so that's something. Um, that's more than a lot of these will have. Um, yeah, so Johnny Trey was a one-hit wonder back in the day. Um, kind of shot his career in the foot being a drunk and being a drug addict and I guess went to jail and um, found God and settled down with a family and now he's just the uh, worship leader at a church and he's perfectly content and he's one of those Christians that didn't used to be, who used to be like a really bad person and then they became Christian and so they really overdo it like they're not content to just be like oh my life is good now like everything has to be Christian construct that I don't know. Yeah, it's like this fear that like if I slip at all, if I shoplift chewing gum or something, then like I'm gonna go back to the skid row. Like I don't know. Not that you should shop. Not that you should shoplift, but. Or my daughter lies about a really small, inconsequential thing that's gonna damn my entire family to hell. Can't have that. Yeah, and um. So he's got a daughter, Grace, who sings with him in the church band everybody seems to like well i was gonna say everybody seems to like it everyone everyone in this movie acts as if she is the second coming of like everyone talks about how stunningly gorgeous she is and what an amazing singer she is and i don't usually i'm not in the habit on this podcast or in life of talking about people's appearance particularly women's appearance particularly a young girl's appearance but like she's cute she's fine but she's not like 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 people act like she walks in the room and oh my god it's the most yeah she's like just an average like pretty wholesome girl next door type of vibe but yeah everybody was like oh my god she's so amazing and like yeah she's beautiful she is beautiful she's got like clear some good music talents but like but that's the thing. She's a good singer, but she's not a amazing singer. Yeah, and that's know. the problem that you're setting up for. Because, like, look at, like, just for instance, say, A Star is Born. Where, like, oh, my God, this lady is an amazing singer. But then it's Lady Gaga, and she is an amazing singer, so it makes sense. Yeah. But sometimes you have stuff like there was a show called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip that famously, the whole idea is these are the best comedy writers in the world and they're writing for this fake Saturday Night Live. But then when they show you the skits that they've written, they aren't funny at all. So it's like, well, why, how are they the best comedy? <laughs> and that's this, where they're saying, this is the, she's the most phenomenal singer. And she's just okay. Like, she's fine. But I she's not something you wouldn't hear at an open mic coffee shop. Like No, honestly, I would kind of describe this movie as like if you had ordered Miley Cyrus the movie on Wish and then got it with strong Christian <laughs> undertones. But... Yeah. Um, except that Myers Lyers is successful. Um, <laughs> and she also... Hey, now, listen, this actress was like half of the AJ and Allie crew. Yeah, I don't... I only learned what that even is, but from this. She was um, also in Cowbells. I also found out that this actress, who is in Grace, she was in Secretariat and The Lovely Bones. Yes. Yeah, which surprised me. Her I found out she wore a purity ring for real until she got married. Oof. Yeah. I mean... We'll get to that. That scene is... I also had purity <laughs> rings growing up. We called them CTR rings. Choose the right. Choose the right rings. They had the little CTR inscribed on them. 
I'm, I'm not sure if my mom has shown you any of her old ones, but she also used to wear them. Well, this is probably a good time to tell you that this podcast is a sham and is all a pretext by your mother and I to get you here to get a new ring on you. <laughs> a new CTR ring? Really? Yes. Oh my god, I've lost so many. You're going to trust me with a new one? I mean, we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't... I feel like her lip to teeth proportions were weird. They often are. They often are. Like, you don't see her teeth at all. I thought she would have tiny little teeth because you don't see them whatsoever until she's, like, really open mouth singing. But her teeth look normal. You just can't see them. It's a strange... And again, I don't want to pick... I'm not picking on someone's looks, but for a movie that's trying to sell me on the idea that this is the most beautiful princess who's ever, like, I'm not buying it. We're being sold a bill of goods here. Yeah, I would, I would honestly, I don't like using this term because, like, it's definitely overused, especially in a lot of media that I thoroughly enjoy. And in the end, like, sometimes there's nothing wrong with having this trope in your story if you genuinely enjoy it. But she was definitely a lot of a Mary Sue. Like, the entire world seemed to revolve mm. around her. I don't know how you feel about that, this or, like, invoking this trope. But, like, everything seemed to revolve around her. Hollywood seemed to, like, revolve around her to some degree. Like, everything just, like, changed kind of unrealistically to like put her on this path and put her on her story and it just like it, i don't know it felt very fake and forced and like i did, i wasn't buying it yeah the idea that record executives and managers and things would hear her and go <laughs> you know that sound you're looking for listen to this you know like that she's the next like i'm just not buying it anybody be like all right she's fine but not like we have to get that girl on tour immediately also just i was also like super creeped out by the music producer when he first comes in so like she and her dad they play at their church and like there's obvious some contention and like grace goes off and like gets a little funky with it and a little crazy with it and her dad's pissed because he wants her playing the piano but she insists on playing the guitar and then like it transitions from like movie montage to her growing up and like whatnot and then they're singing in front of this congregation and also how often are these people having church because i feel like they're in church every five seconds but oh it could it could for sure be one of those every wednesday and sunday deals i mean i don't know i also went to a church that had it every sunday and wednesday and then also i was supposed to do stuff on mondays and yeah me too but then i reached the age of reason (laughs) um yeah dad's definitely seems like he's feeling a bit upstaged yeah perhaps it's not he plays it off like it's this is how we do which is an asshole move to start with but like it almost this is how we do things i told you to be on the piano you didn't want to do it you're singing over the top of me but everybody seems to like it yeah there's also like it just seems like he wants to have complete and utter control over his daughter at all times and it's also weird because it is like brought to the fact like she's 18 she's an adult and like he and she kind of she does act like what I what I felt like I acted like when I was 14, 15. But, like, she is 18 now. She is technically adult. I feel like even if she's living under her parents' roof, like, hey, you're an adult now. We're going to respect you as an adult and give you autonomy. But, like, we still have, like, rules and standards that we'd like to hold you to. But ultimately, like, as long as you're not hurting yourself or other people, like, live your best life. And, it, and he, he did not have that approach. He was like, no, I must completely control you at all times. No matter what, you're going off to college. You're playing the piano. You're not going to go off and, like, get funky with it on stage. You're not, I don't know. It was just, 
Not good. He was very, very controlling, and it rubbed me the wrong way, but... For sure. Yeah, there's a bit of talk about she doesn't want to go to college, she wants to do music, and they're trying to push her to go to college, but that gets dropped pretty quickly for <laughs> important reasons. Uh, the mom is played by Shawnee Smith, who most people know from the Saw movies. She's I been in a lot of that. stuff. Yeah, she was in a lot of gory horror movies, and I was like, what the heck are you doing in this really weird Christian movie lady? But Well, and that's always the question with these movies, because sometimes you'll get, like, not like a huge movie, like Tom Cruise isn't doing it, but people that you recognize and it's and you wonder in your head like okay are these people or have they become like are they super christian or is this just a paycheck for them i imagine it's just a paycheck and again christians i'm fine with christians having their own movies if that's what they want it that's fine but there's a minimum bar of quality that <laughs> i expect from a quote-unquote movie yeah, and they usually doesn't hit that bar Especially with the movie, like, the budget was $1.7 million U.S. million, which kind of seemed like a lot for what we got from the movie. But I, I suppose they had enough big enough names that they probably needed prettier paychecks. So. Well, and this probably came out in theaters, but I saw that it only made, like, $2.5 so it wasn't a hugely successful yeah. film. It wasn't, like, Breakthrough or I Can Only Imagine or something like that that's actually, like, made decent money. Um. But yeah, I saw Shawnee Smith and I was like, no, no, did you burn through the Saw money already? Like, who do you owe a favor to that I'm looking at you right now? Because you deserve better than this. Also, was she wearing a wig? Because her hair seemed very, like, she she usually seems to have very long, dark hair. But she had, like, the classic super short bob, like, talk to the manager almost type bob haircut. That didn't, that didn't look quite right. It kind of looked like a wig. And I was like, are you okay? Are, are you... Are they just trying to make you belong so that way she looks more like your daughter? I don't know what's going on, but... Yeah, I don't know. It could be my wig dar's not great, necessarily. It could be a wig, or she might have just got it cut that way for the movie. Um, so, Grace is uh, upstairs watching the biggest pop star, Renee Taylor, who has who somehow become the biggest pop star despite having the lamest music video I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also like it, it's also like really funny too because they clearly seem to be trying to play her up as like a Taylor Swift, even giving her the name Taylor, and like they even name dropped like Justin Bieber was opening for Taylor Swift, and now you're gonna be opening for Renee Taylor later on in the movie, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like the tackiest Taylor Swift analogy or like comparison I've ever seen. It was very weird. Uh, yeah. This is when dad comes in with this purity ring, and we need to talk about this. Because the very concept, and bear in mind, this is not a, and it wouldn't matter, but this is not a 15-year-old girl. This is an 18-year-old girl who has graduated high school. Who's trying to, like, go off in the world and be on her own. And I don't like purity culture. I think purity rings are stupid. Purity culture is, like, very, very harmful and detrimental to everybody involved. It's not... I don't know. I don't like it. But also, he, like, never explicitly stated that I am gifting you this purity ring in this scene. She she was the one who, like, assumed that it was a purity ring and was like, I'm not going to have sex, Dad. Oh, my God. And um, I almost wondered, like, is this going to be a weird, cheesy plot point? Are they not actually obsessed with purity culture? Is this actually, like, a guitar pick that's going <laughs> to come around later on in the movie? And I was, like, kind of excited because he never said the word purity ring. He was just giving her a small, tiny gift, and I was like, maybe 
maybe there's hope, maybe it's not that. But then it was never brought up again the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think that it's 100% supposed to be a purity ring, but they kind of didn't want to say that because it has a nasty, pun intended, ring to it. Like, even most Christians are like, mm, I don't know if I want to hear that phrase in my movie. <laughs> like, just the very concept of, like, your virginity is promised to God and your father to safeguard, like, is disturbing i feel yeah there's definitely like a whole ton of like she is her she is her father's possession and i don't know i felt like that was constantly going on and at one point in time like when he's crying with his wife after uh she goes off to hollywood he like seems to have this moment where he relinquishes to god where he like looks up cheerfully and says she's in your hands now. Like, she's no, yours you, now, meaning like, she was mine. Now she's yours. She's a human being. She, you're her dad, but you do not own her. She is an adult woman now. Like, it's good, sir. Please stop. Yeah, that's the very important act. <clears throat> very important aspect is that she is 18 years old. You can have advice if she asks it. You can say, hey, you know. I lived, I did some living, I lived a life, and I learned some lessons, and here's what I can impart to you, take it or leave it. But this idea of, like... You are mine, you are my property, I must control you, and you must do everything I say and heed because I am your father. <laughs> and this girl doesn't even appear to have a boyfriend, or have ever had a boyfriend. Or have so, <laughs> like, she has done nothing to make you fear... That she's out getting a train run on her. Like, she's fine. And even if she was, that's her business. She she's 18. That's her she, goddamn business. <laughs> she is an adult woman. She can do what she wants. If she has a problem with it later on and wants to talk to you about it, have, like, a non-judgmental conversation with her and maybe, like, incorporate your religion into that however you see fit without, like, being a dick. But, like, just let her live her life. And, I don't know. Ugh. I don't like that. I didn't like that at all. But no, it's a big problem, and I. Uh, who we'll see how I feel in, <laughs> in fifteen years when my, you know, I mean you guys are. My daughters ish, sort of my daughters, but I yeah, you know. Yeah, by the time you you we came into your life, we were already teenagers who were essentially yes. adults doing our own thing that we wanted to do, and we were like. Nice to see you, sir. Correct. We're going to keep living our lives. You keep living yours. Be nice to our mom. But even if you weren't, I would never, in my wildest dreams, think that your sex life is any business of mine. <laughs> oh, no. You know what I mean? And, I'm wondering, and with my biological daughter that is coming soon, years from now, I, I will be old and she will be a teenager. I don't, I'd like to think I'm not going to feel differently. Obviously, I'm not going to. There are things I will want to protect her from. But also, that brings it back to Grace wasn't the only one being dishonest in this movie. Like, that played up her dishonesty as a sin and a problem. But, like, if everybody was just open and honest with her, like, about their intentions with her, about, like, what life was like, giving her best honest advice, and, like, just telling them their life story rather than just being like, no, we must control you because you are a young, ignorant woman and 
you are her your father's property or whatever like just like sit down and have a conversation with this woman and just be like hey so i noticed like this is what you're interested in here's my imparting life advice um like let's have an actual conversation rather than me just trying to dictate my holy man power all over you and ugh. but well the problem is that she is immature and naive but she is that way because she's been so sheltered and boxed in by her father that like his, all his fears of what's going to how she's going to handle being in Hollywood he manufactured because she's that way she's naive and immature because you've kept her from learning any real life things outside of a church which is not real life those aren't real life lessons past don't kill people and don't steal things it has nothing to teach you yeah <laughs> like, I, it gave me it gave me it taught me a lot of trauma <laughs> a lot of guilt uh yeah what a wild world but so here we see that she can't the idea is that the church band is gonna be making an album soon she's supposed to write a song for it she cannot write a song i know they like a new montage of her like frustratedly trying to write a song and like there was some like some really really out of tune strumming happening where she was like kind of doing that weird little moan about god like that you know how like every other christian rock band seems to like have at least a few songs where like they literally just seem to stand at a microphone strumming a guitar moaning god for five minutes straight like god god like and it's just that and it's so bad and well, that's, there's two words that do not belong in a sentence together, and they are Christian and rock. <laughs> you can be one or the other. You could be the best Christian band on the planet. You're still not a rock band. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's maybe my bias coming through. But Yeah, I'm also, I, I apologize to any religious people, but I, I've got strong feelings and a, like, a strong bias, too, because I've seen a lot of pain that, like, over-controlling christian worlds and like entities can have on like people and their congregation and especially like at-risk demographics like women and people of color and queer people and watching anything that has to do with like that culture especially when it's done in like such a controlling weird way just i'm gonna my bias is gonna come through a lot you have nothing to apologize for <clears throat> but yeah she can't write a song which i mean partially is probably because I, I wouldn't be able to write a Christian song that isn't because, A, they've already all been done. They're all the saying the same thing. So how do you write a new Christian song that doesn't sound like another Christian song? I would imagine it's impossible, yet it happens somehow. But yeah. um, So she's trying to write this, and then she's supposed to go off to some sort of youth group after like a weird little montage of her trying to write it and there was this really really weird scene about her remembering to fill up the car like the car tank and she has a c credit card that her parents gave to her specifically to do that and she was like all right i promise i'll try to remember i promise i'll try to remember whatever and she like kind of snaps at her dad because her dad's like you better do this you better do this and she's like all right whatever dad i will i promise whatever and she goes and she skips youth group and she goes and sees a movie instead and she also forgot to fill up the car tank which i didn't realize was like that big of a deal but she gets back her dad asks her did you fill up the car tank like i asked you to and she's like i'm sorry i forgot which also that's a completely normal thing to do it's really 
I don't know. I've definitely been like really low on gas and I've forgotten to fill up my car tank until it beeped at me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go get gas now. Like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And he storms off to go fill it at, I'm guessing, 10 or 11 at night. Like, it can wait till morning, dude. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> it doesn't. It's yeah. just to show her a lesson of like, I said it needs to be done now. It needs to be done now. Like, yeah. Okay, she should remember to fill the gas tank, but it's not the end of the fucking world, but she doesn't. But then, uh, I know why they did this now, because then he finds the movie slip in the car yes. after he fills it up, and that has to, like, push forward the plot of the movie. And so they get into a really big fight, and, like, she is getting into it with both of her parents now, and, like, then it comes into, like, clear perspective that he doesn't view her as her own autonomous person. He also doesn't feel his view his wife as his own autonomous per- person. These are people that he owns and that he controls because she starts getting snappy with her mom and he's like, don't disrespect my wife. And I was like, oh, your wife can stand up for herself. Like, that's her mother. I don't know. That also, like, just... Yeah, it's not even that she got snappy with mom. It's that she lied to mom. Because yeah. mom's like, oh, how was Bible study? And she's like, it was good. Good night. And went upstairs. That was the extent of the lie. And yeah, it's a real, like... You won't. You don't respect your mother. Which I mean, don't lie to your folks. But it's, it's. She went to a movie. She wasn't at a rave. She didn't come home cross-eyed from ecstasy or like. That's that's one thing about like these weird uber controlling religious things is because they're really easy to rebel against without doing anything too crazy and wild. Like what I used to do in middle school to rebel against my parents and my religion was sneak over to my friend's house to drink coffee <laughs> oh no oh no and that was like oh my gosh i'm being so naughty but yeah yeah and that leads to when you shelter kids like this when you put them in this it's they're they're like a firecracker if you have it open in your palm it's fine if you close your fist it blows your fingers off that's why there's the the cliche of the catholic schoolgirl who turns into the nastiest woman you've ever seen it's because she was so repressed and so controlled that the moment she figures out what real rebellion is and real, like, also, she loses her goddamn mind. Yeah. Also, can I just say, during this fight that they have, the father even says, like, did we raise you to sin? Like, by forgetting to fill the gas tank up and seeing a movie instead. Like, I guess maybe that's a sin, but he, like, treats it as if it's some heinous crime that will damn her to hell. And I'm like, dude, that's, like, a normal teenage thing. Like, that's not even normal. That's, like... That is, like, such a PG, like, G-rated teenage thing to do. Don't worry about it. Like, be a little upset at her and, like, hey, don't lie to us. You don't want to go to church group anymore? You're also an 18-year-old woman. We should not be forcing you to go to a youth church group and Wednesday nights. Like, what the heck? But. Because in his mind, nothing could possibly be more important or fun than going to youth group, which is an insane thought to have. <laughs> like, yeah. He also throws like it's too you're too selfish you're too me 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 and you're not enough god and it's just like she uh. which winds up being the moral of this entire movie is that she's dishonest and selfish and not focused enough on god everything you do nothing you do in your life should be about you or the people around you it should be about god yeah and if it's not you have lost your way which I will come back to it, but it's not a great, not a great moral. But then they transition and they're like playing up on stage again someday and they're playing and she's like still on the guitar, but she's like chilled out. She's like not going off and doing her own thing. She's like, and looks 
miserable. She looks absolutely miserable. And also, can I just say how unrealistic this congregation looks? Because usually, like, the church that I went to, we didn't have a Christian rock band. Everybody was very quiet, very, very reverent. And so if that's what they were going for, great job. But every church that I've gone to that has, like, a rock band or a Christian rock band or any sort of band like that playing, they're all, like, up in the air. Like, they've got enthusiasm and energy, and they're ready to praise with their arms in the air and, like, a big smile on their face. This is, like, the most deadpan congregation, like, low-energy congregation I've seen since I've been to, like, my last Mormon church meeting. Like, it was it was very quiet, it was very dead, and it seemed, it did not match, like, the energy that was being put on by Grace and, like, the band at any point. Like, it was, it was weird. It did not match. No. And, uh, in walks Kevin Pollack. And again, I say, no, buddy! Kevin Pollack, why are you here? You've been in Real movies, lots of them. You're a good actor who lots of people do a good impression of. <laughs> like, no, I actually didn't know who he was, but I was watching it, and I was like, who is that guy? And I looked it up, and yeah, he has been in hundreds of things. It's kind of insane. but Yeah, he's a legit, I mean, maybe not a movie star, but he's, I mean, a character actor for sure, but he's, you know... One of the good ones, and he deserves better than this. So I don't know if it was, again, a good paycheck or I got nothing to do the next two weeks. I might as well go do this thing. I don't know. Yeah, and honestly, it seems like this film's filmed in two weeks. But, yeah, so, like, they're at their next congregation thing, and, like, cue him walking in. And I don't know, I feel like he just looks creepy because all he does is just, like, stare and, like, half-smile at Grace the entire time, and nobody notices or says anything, and he's somehow blown away by her miserable performance on the guitar, like, trying to keep it low-key. Yeah, that's the thing, is the first performance he sees is her being real downtrodden and beaten down by having to perform the way her dad wants. So she's not even giving it 100%, and he's blown away by this. And also, nobody notices him. Like, I feel like somebody would have geared into, like, the creepy man staring and smiling creepily at the young woman for a long extended period of time. But nobody notices or sees anything wrong with that. And I'm like, no, no. Well, he's also in an environment where young women probably get smiled at creepily constantly. I so yeah. <laughs> they don't think that's what my husband does. That's not weird. No. But he is playing Mossy, who was her dad's manager back in the day, who really helped him out, helped him get off the drugs, helped him as much as he could keep his career on track before he finally gave it all up. And Johnny, in sort of payback for that, had given the publishing rights to his songs. <laughs> as far as we know, there's one song. Um, to Mossy, and that was sort of, you know. But they're still friends, but Mossy definitely reminds him of, like, the bad old days before I found yeah, God. Clayton found God. But, so he had, they haven't seen each other in quite a while, because the last time he saw Grace, she was in diapers. Um, but she, def but he definitely, Mossy knows, um, Johnny's wife for sure. They've met before. So at, at, at this point we're setting up, like he seems nice enough, but in your head you're playing, okay, where's this movie going? This guy's going to turn out to be a rat fuck piece of shit. He's going to turn out to be, you know, a sleazeball or he's going to, you know, use and abuse, great. No. This is a professional man who, through the course of this movie, does his job, which is to try to make her a star as best he can, 
and is a perfectly pleasant fellow. <laughs> yeah, he did have, like, I felt like he had some sleazy moments where he was like, listen, honey, everybody in Hollywood, like, has to have some sort of sex appeal, which is, like, I don't know. I don't know how Hollywood But he's not works, wrong. But, like, he, That's he the thing. Sleazy. He's doing his job. He's telling her no one wants to see... Girl from bumfuck Alabama. Like, you want to be a star, you have to look like a star. Look at all the stars. That's how they look. You need to approximate that. And if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you because that's just how the game works. He's good at his job. But he's never asking her, like, well, now you go be in Playboy. Like, he never asks anything unreasonable of her. Yeah, well, I feel like it's always good to establish boundaries. And if you're not super comfortable with something, like, say, hey, I'm not super comfortable with that, which Grace kind of does. And, like, to some degree, you have to respect that person's autonomy and being like, all right, these are your boundaries. This is and is not what you're comfortable with. But also, like, you have to look at the reality of the career that you're trying to go into and, like, take your manager's best advice. And it would just be nice if, like, they were a little bit more honest and open with each other throughout that and, like, establishing boundaries and explaining how, like, this world that she's trying to enter works. But... I, I didn't think she was unreasonable by saying, I'm not super comfortable with some of these things that you're trying to ask me to do. And he didn't ask her to do anything outlandish by my standards, but if she wasn't comfortable with it, then that's fair of her. But then also, you might not have a career, and he's trying to help you have a career, and I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, I understood where she was coming from, and I could respect her wanting to like have these boundaries, but also I felt like he could have done a better job at explaining, like, no, like, I understand these are your boundaries. This is what has to be done if you want to have this career. How can we move forward from here and compromise and, like, talk about it a little bit more? But maybe. Yeah, no, I could see that, especially since her expectations are so much more muted than he's used to. Like, yeah, he maybe should have rolled with it a little more, knowing that she's different than other girls that I've represented. But he's, yeah, I don't know. For me, to me anyway, he was not, he never, he he's never sleazy with her. He's never, seems no. like he's using her. When I saw him like creepily smiling and staring at her, I was like, mm -mm, that's not good. That is a man I would like to stay far away from. But he never did anything like creepy or terrible or bad to her. He just asked her to do this typical Hollywood thing that she wasn't super comfortable with. And I feel like they could have had a better conversation about it, but... Anyways, it seems like he's there because, like, the one song, the one big hit song that the dad has is getting really big again because a kid on, I quote them, Australian American Idol <laughs> um, ends up winning with Johnny's big song, Misunderstood. And he wants to, like, he wants Johnny to, like, start another tour again and, like, go on tour with this one song once again and, like, relaunch his career off of it, but... Johnny doesn't want to. Yeah, and that this is a weird concept to me, too, that rather than taking this girl who won American Idol singing this song and have her do a new version of that song, which he would be within his rights to do, because he owns the rights. They just said it was some kid from a Australia. Kid. Well, that's true. Okay, okay yeah, that's true. Um, rather than having her take that song out as a single, you've come back to the worn-out... <laughs> old guy who sang it 20 years ago for him to do a new version of it it doesn't like what why would you do that yeah like i could see an uptick in his popularity maybe of kids discovering this song they didn't know yeah but also I you would just make a new one you wouldn't go back to 
him to make a new one. And I know he signed away all the rights to the song, but how how did he not know that his song was getting this big again? Like, how did he not know? He's in contact with so many people. He's in contact with technology. Like, how did he not know that his song was getting big again? Because when Monty's like, your song is really big again. This kid won this big, huge talent show in Australia with it. How did you not know? Like, how did he not know? That was very strange to me. I mean, I could definitely see him not watching American Idol because it's too worldly or something. Australian Well, especially Australian. No one in America is watching that. But um, somewhat, you know this guy's on Facebook. And someone on Facebook would have sent him the clip. Or just somebody in the congregation, I feel like, because they all seem to know, like, he was a big star back in the day. He had the song. But I guess not. I guess they all live under a rock together, and that rock is the Lord. (laughs) Yes crushed under a rock uh so yeah mossy wants to yeah wants him to come re-record the song go on tour again with just this one song i guess um but he's like nope this is what i do now i'm just the church guy and i'm not interested and um mossy's a bit baffled by anyone who would turn down free money but he respects you know he tries to talk him into it it doesn't work he respects his wishes. But he came a long way to ask you that. And it's also sort of a, like, you kind of owe me because, like, I literally saved your life and like, kept you from dying of drugs. But okay. Um, so having overheard all of this and doing it, there's a weird moment of her, like, online researching Mossy and the guys, like, he's talking about Sapphire Records and the guy who just took it over, who wants to make the deal. And she's like on google like search like what is she trying to do like make sure that he's not making up record executives that she can find this guy's name for real i don't know it's weird but so she winds up recording her own version of his song misunderstood in just in her room and sends it off to mossy um yeah and then we have then there's a scene with her talking to her friend. Why well, yeah, I want to talk to you. Yeah, she she talks to her friend about like how frustrated she was with her dad, and then she realizes she could just. That's when she realizes I could just do this remake if on my own if I really wanted to, and then cue like the remake montage of her like recording it and everything and sending it off to Frank. But then the next Sunday. They're at church again playing in front of the congregation, and they have another big fight about Grace playing the guitar instead of the piano, and uh, Dad ends up kicking her out of the church band and kicking her off of the church band album, and that's when Grace gets the call from Mossy and decides to run away to L.A. Yeah. Well, and there's a, she has a conversation with her black friend again, which is like the most white privileged thing I've ever heard because she's very like oh my life is so terrible my daddy won't let me be on his church album like that's your that's your problems that you're trying to tell this woman of color about that's also while she's at work too like she seems to be encroaching on her friend's workspace to rant about this and her friend is even at certain points like is it that bad though is it that bad like he loves you and he just kind of wants what's best for you but like her dad is in the wrong but also like i don't know give yeah, a her friend her. very much stands up for the dad and is like i don't know maybe you should listen to your parents man like, but <laughs> your, also, your life is fine 
she's an 18 year old woman she should not be as controlled and dictated as she is 100 percent. she she does like oh everything's terrible like no Get a little bit of perspective, maybe grace, but also like realize you're an adult and you have your own autonomy, which she does realize she does, and ends up running away to I don't even think you can call it running away, but just going off to LA because she can because she is a adult human person. Yeah, there is no, in no way could this be called running away from home because she's 18. She can literally do whatever she wants, and this idea that like I mean a heads up would have been nice. But she knows she can't have that conversation to say I'm leaving for Hollywood because it's going to be a whole fucking scene with her dad. So yeah. I get why she would just be like, peace out and go. Yeah. And they act like she has been kidnapped in the night. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. I was like, Jesus, she can do what she wants. I, like, I kept on like sitting there in my head screaming, like, she's an adult. She can do what she wants. Like, I get it. She's kind of being a dick. By not letting you guys know, but also, would you guys have let her go? Like, just, I don't know, let her, let her live her life. I mean, she left you a note explaining what's happening, and that's gonna, that should be good enough for you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, also, at the end, um, after she's been in Hollywood for what seems like a couple of days, and them trying to contact Grace, her parents, and um, trying to contact Grace, and her friend Rachel, like, is like, hey, she even talks to her friend Rachel, and her friend Rachel is like, listen, you're an adult, like, I get it, I get why you did what you did, but you should at least call them and let them, let your folks know you're okay, because they care about you. And Grace is like, no, I'm not ready to have that conversation yet, they're just gonna try and drag me back. And then, uh, John finally gets it in him to call Frank, Mossy, his manager, and be like, yo, dude, what the hell are what the hell are you doing with my daughter? And finally, Mossy is the one to point out, dude, your daughter is an adult. She can do what she wants. She wants to do this. I will help her live her dreams. She'll be okay. She is an adult. And I was like, oh my god, okay. Thank you, you just, Mossy. <laughs> you just redeemed yourself in my eyes. The creepy smile, it, it put me off at first, but like, thank you. I think that's just Kevin Pollock's face. I don't think he can help it. I don't think he's trying to be creepy. Uh, maybe. But and also, Mossy reveals to Dad that she came to me. I didn't like poach her in the middle of the night. Like she, she sent the song to me and asked me to make this happen. Maybe I should have gave you a heads up, but I know you. <laughs> just like her, I know it wouldn't have worked. So yeah, I guess I went behind your back. But just understand that she came to me because she's tired of your bullshit. She lies about being able to write songs. Mossy's like, hey, you're going to do your dad's song. It's going to be cool, but we're going to need a follow-up song if we're going to do an album and stuff. And she's like, no problem. I'm on it. She's not on it. Yeah. And she also, uh, she books a gig really, really quickly with Mossy, too. I was very impressed. And then there's already, like, that big fancy music manager from that other big music company that's out there to, like, check her out, check her vibes or whatever. And, uh... Grace goes and she performs and she performs her dad's song misunderstood and at first it seems like she's like scared and is like choking on stage but then all of a sudden like fingers snap she's perfect she's belting it out she's like incredible but she's also like not that good and also the song itself isn't that good like that's it reminds the thing it's also not a good song so it it's like how did this ever become a hit once let alone now two or three times <laughs> like yeah, this is a song that belonged in like her Disney show with AJ and Allie or something? Not 
not to be like a big, huge, worldwide renowned, world changing song that everybody is obsessed with in this world, but. Uh. And I, I want to back up for a second to when Mossy and, and Johnny are on the phone together. Mossy says, You want to kill her dream, shame on you. Which is like, Yes, Mossy, <laughs> correct. Like, yeah, he's absolutely right. Shame on you. Mossy's right. Mom is right. Mom is saying, like, they have a bit of a tiff. Her and dad, mom says, she only ran away because of you. <laughs> like, she's spitting truths. Like, she's like, I, I, I don't like how she did this either, but this is what she wants to do. She's 18, and you drove her to do this. So I'm not happy with you either. <laughs> yeah. But we're meant to, because so much of the story is told from his point of view, we're meant to see it as like, what an unreasonable woman this wife is. Like, how dare she say that? Like, <laughs> bullshit. I know. I was like, no, everybody's being right. And Johnny is like so stuck. Like, no, she is my daughter. She is not pleasing God. She is not pleasing me. I must bring her back home. She is committing sins. And everybody else, everybody around him is like, dude, chill. Chill. She's an adult woman. She can do what she wants. Chill. Yeah, it's, but sin is just anything that I didn't tell you to do, I guess. Yeah, so they have the surprise first gig. Everyone in the audience and this record exec guy, again, they act like she's the second coming, but she's just she's all right. fine. She's fine. She's fine. But she's not... <laughs> no, I don't know. It's a real... I don't know if... Yeah, you said Mary Sue. I don't know if that's right, because we do see her as a child learning guitar and learning piano so it's not like she just woke up one morning and could play all these instruments but was magically perfect and gifted at it but i don't know every all the world just seems to like warp around her and her perspective as well and like her talents and like what she needs at that moment and she does face some like trials and some people are like "Mm, dude no like mossy is like "Mm, no hollywood's not for you and then dad is like his weird controlling self but like it all just ends up working out for her in the end no matter what and she's still the shining golden star throughout but uh. yeah then we meet um kendra who's like the image maker that works for the record label who's gonna you know spruce her up and we're the way she's presented to us is 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 as if she is the most sinister person in this movie like she comes in but again, she's not making strange requests. She's not saying, you know, she's like, okay, your look's okay. I think people will respond better if you go by Gracie than Grace. That's reasonable. She's not ordering her to change her name or something. She's just like... She's doing her job and like what yeah. she sees would best help and fit and benefit Grace in her career. But she orders an alcoholic drink, so she must be yeah. the devil. Like, <laughs> they very pointedly show her ordering this drink. Also, Grace keeps getting served. Like, nobody checks Grace's ID. Like, nobody acknowledges that she might be under 21. And maybe Hollywood's different, and they don't care about that, especially at the big fancy executive parties or what she appears to be at. But nobody nobody ever goes, hold up, are you 21? Can I see some ID? They're just constantly serving her throughout the movie, at parties, and then also at bars and restaurants that she ends up going to later. And it has me like, what the heck? What the heck? This entire world seems to just, like, all of a sudden be enabling her to, like, 
go into alcoholism as like some sort of weird plot device that ends up not doing anything in the long run, but Yeah, which if which is what I'm expecting. I'm expecting by the end of this movie for her to like be in rehab. But it never happens. She has she gets a little tipsy at one point because she obviously has had a couple drinks. But nothing bad happens from that at all. Yeah. So she records the single, the new version of her dad's song. And from that, it immediately lands gigs at the Troubadour and the Whiskey A Go-Go, which are very famous music clubs in Los Angeles. And I don't fucking think so. With the one song. Like, one song. There's no other song. Because what is this concert going to be? People are buying tickets to come see you at the Whiskey A Go-Go and you get up and sing one song and go off stage? Rip off! <laughs> like, what are you even talking about? You have to have more than one song. Um, at this point, she's introduced to Jay Grayson, who's a TV star. Um, cute boy. Whatever. Big star on, like, some yeah. big, huge show. Like a CW show, universe. you imagine. Yeah, and, uh, it's like played up like to grace like oh hey this guy is interested in you he wants to take you out on a date and like wine and dine you and he's sincerely interested in you but it's all just a publicity stunt and everybody knows this except grace and that's so that's so shitty of everybody like no just sit down and be like hey we think it could be beneficial to get people buzzing and talking about you if you go on like a few publicity stunt dates with this person is this something you're okay with and like having an honest conversation with her rather than like manipulating her to go on this date with this person uh, i didn't like that yeah that's not great that's not great and it seemed like it was almost more for or equally like for his benefit too like yeah. like maybe he had just gone through a bad breakup in the tabloids so they're trying to like resuscitate his image too but I also feel like that's either a something that doesn't really happen and it's this movie's idea of like what a terrible thing or it's something that happens all the time in which case roll with it because that's how the business works I don't know either way and then if you are doing it for a publicity stunt make sure all parties involved are aware of that so that way they can behave accordingly and that way they don't have like any false pretenses or promises I, I, I yeah think, that's true like if I was in a relationship and like started out with a partner and like I found out later on it was all fake to like get some other thing I'd be I don't know in any capacity or regard if I was in a relationship with a partner and there was some sort of an ulterior motive that they knew about and me being in a relationship was about I would feel like really creeped out and upset and not happy about that at all so I get where Grace is coming from we're like hey this is kind of shitty where if they just said from the beginning you going on these dates is a publicity stunt. This is how we'll play it. Are you comfortable with this? This is how you build your career. And they didn't have that conversation. And also, at one point in time, he tries to manipulate her to go back to his place with her. And she was like, no, I think I'm more comfortable at home. Well, hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna argue with you a little bit here because I feel, and again, I'm a man, but I'd like to think I don't have too wildly different perspective on this. In this, the scene you're talking about, I was very much expect she's a little tipsy. He's like, hey, why don't you come back to my house? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's where the movie takes a turn and some real bad, dark shit starts to happen to her. No, he says, why don't you come home she, with me? She's like, oh, I got to get up early in the morning tomorrow. He's like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. And he goes, all right. And that was the end. 
that was the height of the pressure that she was given. No, and she is very, very lucky that she only experienced that. But it's still like it's still shitty because later on in this, in, later on in the movie, he's talking on the phone because he keeps on taking calls during her dates, and he's like, "Oh, it's my manager," but it's some other love interest of him. It's implied later on that in a conversation that she ends up overhearing and get rid, getting really upset about because she didn't know it was a publicity play, where he's like talking to this person and making it clear that this is a love interest and how he's just like kind of playing Grace along and how it's just a publicity stunt that everybody but her knows about and how he's just doing it so that way she gets more attention and he gets more attention and she had no idea and I also was like I because at first I was like a little weirded out with Jay trying to get her back to her place too but it also wasn't clear to the audience yet that this was just a publicity stunt um, so I was a little creeped out and I was like, good man, he had his respecting lemon juice this morning by not trying to force her back into his place with him when she clearly had a little bit to drink and was not comfortable doing that. Like, good on him. But then it's revealed later on that he knew that this was just a publicity stunt. He was just using her and he was in a relationship with a different person who may or may not know about his attempt to get her to come back to his place. Which, like, makes that scene a lot more creepy and dark and nefarious to me. And I did not like that after, like, that later scene in the movie. Yeah, but I do. I think it's a guy friend that he's talking to because he says, I'm definitely going to close the deal tonight. And then he laughs and he says, I'll send you pictures. Which oh. is not what you would say to another girl, I don't think. Okay. So. I thought, I thought this was But he was probably does have another girlfriend. Yeah. But, which, yeah, that's not, that is not good. He is an asshole. But here's the thing. They're playing it up like, only in Hollywood would you meet such a nefarious man. Like, bullshit. You live in Alabama. You're surrounded by redneck assholes. This is going to happen to you nine times before you're 21. Like, yeah, it should. guys suck everywhere. It's it, not just Hollywood. Like, you could stay home and this will happen to you, too. I know. It's really, really sad. Like, it shouldn't happen to women. But it, unfortunately, is the reality of far too many. And she, she was incredibly lucky that she wasn't put into a more horrifying, compromising situation. She was still put in, like, an unfair, shitty situation that I think should have not happened. But she was incredibly lucky it didn't go any further than him being like, hey, you've had a few drinks. You want to come back to my place? And she's like, no, I don't. He's like, I respect that. And I was like, all right. That's good. That is good. But the relationship was a lie and super manipulative, and she had no idea. And that's where I take most of my issue with. But. Yeah, and that's not cool. But, uh, but, again, but again, that's the worst thing Mossy does. It's not great. But considering everything I was expecting this movie to do to this girl, she gets off so light and so lucky. And... It's such a toned down, like, only a super Christian, like, person watching this movie would be like, oh, oh, and pearl clutching about this when I it know. could have been so much worse, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was very anticlimactic. Uh, speaking of pearl clutching, she's got a book from this photographer who's supposed to do her who, a photo shoot for her. And she's talking to Mossy on the phone. In the new car she just bought with the advance she's gotten from this one song somehow. So she's doing okay. Um, but she's looking through the book. We never see it, so we can't judge for ourselves. But she's like, I don't know, man. A lot of the pictures in this book, the women aren't really wearing much. And he's like, no, it's a, it's a classy shoot. He's a classy guy. Don't worry about it. 
So yeah, there is a little pressure to do something she's not comfortable with. But again, but it's not like... Like, that's the business. I'm so, sex sells. That's just the way that it is. And that's the business you're trying to get into. And also... You're not in penthouse. It's a... <laughs> you know? Like, who knows Like what the other people he was photographing... Like, what image that they were trying to put out. What their boundaries were and what they were or were not comfortable with. And maybe, like, he would respect, like... You're not super comfortable doing this. Why don't we do this instead? Or is there like some sort of compromise that could be made here? I don't know. Maybe that's just like because I don't know how it works in the big good old Hollywood. Yeah, but she does. She dismisses it out of hand as if like that's what he did with them. So that's what'll be wanted from me, and I'm not going to do it. So they also they also at one point said that they want to create Grace's image as uh what was it? I had it. Grace's new image is daddy's little girl with an edge which uh <laughs> oh no like, they, what a... they literally describe that as the image that they want to create for and mm, i don't think that look was ever achieved or talked about at all at the end but no this is an edgeless girl oh yeah from top to bottom beginning of end of story like there's no <laughs> there is no edge um here we meet Quentin, the intern, who has been given a key to her place to bring s- stuff over, because that's just how they do it. Um, and again, with the lack of communication, like, she had no idea that this person would be here. And I'd be a little, like, weirded out and uncomfy if I rolled up and there was a stranger in my apartment. I'd be like, hold up. Who are you? Who sent you? I'm calling the police. I already called the police. My Uber is here. I have to go get out. Ah! I would, I would definitely be upset. But, like, he ends up being a nice guy. But... And he explains, no, I'm the intern. Like, they sent me. I'll get out of your hair. I'm so sorry for intruding. And they kind of have, like, a sweet, weird moment. And he makes a really, really weird joke about how the groceries that she dropped and the clothes he dropped mixed together. And, like, a mango clashes with the ruffled cami that he brought over for her or whatever. And it was was very weird. (laughs) It was so weird. It's an odd interaction. But it should be noted that he's not just a nice boy. He's a nice church boy. Boy. Who's he and his parents when I guess her dad and her took the church band around on tour to other churches at some point and they performed at like what are the odds? This guy's church and his mom still talks about it. what an amazing <laughs> performance this was and she's invited over for dinner anytime she wants. Um But yeah, it's not enough that he's just like, Okay, so here's Jay and he's an asshole. Here's Quentin, he's a nice boy. That's not good enough for this movie. He has to be uber church boy. That's how you know he's a nice boy, which is like, no, you can be a nice person without that. I know. Well, that's also like <laughs> a rhetoric that they constantly play up to to keep to keep people like, I don't know. You know, maybe this is like a little bit too extreme of an, al- an analogy, but you know in The Handmaid's Tale where they always have them in pairs so they can keep track of one another? They seem to be pairing off the Christian congregation, so that way, like, two Christian people go into a relationship together. They'll keep each other Christian. They'll keep each other in the church. They'll keep tabs on one another and keep on encouraging each other to love God. So if one falls, the other one's like, Jesus, come on, get it together. I don't know, but that's what it seems like to me, especially because I was super-duper encouraged to, like, aspire to marry a return missionary and uh, have a big, beautiful temple marriage and be in the church making babies and... Maybe not making babies in the church, but, like, bring the babies that I've made <laughs> to the church. But, I don't know. It's it's just, like, Yeah, really I think making babies in the church will get you kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Only if you're not married to that person, I think. I don't know. Who's to say? I've never done it. I've never tried it. <clears throat> Church parking lot. That's the closest I've come. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, they're, and they're just working to get her publicity, which, again, that's his job. That's how it works. She's fighting him at every turn over the, <laughs> I don't know, the simplest things seem to throw her off. Here's when she's tipsy. She's invited by Jay, but he's not too pushy. She ends up getting an interview booked, too, where Jay sends her flowers in the middle of the interview. So, like, the interviewer takes note of that and writes it down and puts it in whatever article she's publishing about Grace. And there's, like, weird questions about her dad and Grace lies and says he's great and fine and super supportive of her. And, like, that goes nowhere. Like, um, it was very strange. And, like, from this point on... She is bumping into Quentin around every corner as well. And it's like, oh my god, guy. Get... I understand that it's your job to be her intern, but this... Yeah, they have eight consecutive meet-cutes. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly like a her and him bumping into each other montage for like the next ten minutes without meaning to be that, but... Uh, yeah, and the flower sending thing, yeah, that is that is manipulative and it's not cool. But that interview is is weird because it's also this movie pushing the idea of like look at these hollywood people they're so incredulous that she could be a christian like how does that even make sense like i don't think they care as long as you're not being an asshole yeah. you know as long as you're not being racist transphobic whatever i don't think they give a shit like i there, there are plenty of christians working in hollywood as long as they don't be assholes about it like that's this whole thing with with Chris Pratt, where now everybody hates Chris Pratt now because he goes to a church that, and the church has homophobic views, and that's not cool. But he's not out saying that shit. He's not maybe denouncing it either. <laughs> he could do better. But again, like this, suddenly we hate Chris Pratt now because he's Christian. Like that, that's the only example I can think of where I, someone has been like shit on for that. Most people just don't. It, that's how they live. They just don't talk about it and they move on. Like no one gives a shit. Yeah, as long as you're just living a good life and you're not being mean and trying to take basic human rights away from other people, then, like, live your best life and worship however you choose, as long as, again, it's not hurting anyone. But, I don't know, There's I feel like there's more to Chris Pratt that makes him a little bit more problematic, but uh, I don't know enough about what's going on with him, and, yeah. But, no, and then we have that scene, like we said, where Jay tries to get her back to his place. Nothing happens there. Thank God. Thank God. But, and then it cuts to, like, his mom and, uh, not his mom, Grace's mom and dad having a conversation with, like, the pastor of their church and their wife. And, like, the mom confesses that she misses Grace but misses her husband more because he's so driven to just get Grace back. And I'm like, ugh, that's kind of horrifying. Yeah, he has now, like, emotionally abandoned his wife because he's so torn up about this. <laughs> like, she's, um, yeah, she has a, and she sort of is not blaming herself, but she says something about, like, I, um, I wrote it down. What is it? Um, I don't know. But she, she says something like, I wish... I could be more supportive of him 
And what, but he's wrong. But he's wrong. <laughs> you, you are right. Don't need to support him when he's wrong. Like, and the pastor's right too, because the pastor tells him to his face. They're sitting in the backyard, and he's like, "It's in God's hands, dude." Like, yeah, look, she's eighteen. She's left her home. It was gonna happen eventually. You, you know, if she needs to come back, you'd be there for her, and you, you know, but you should be supporting her in some way. Like, you raised her right, right? Yeah. Is that what you're afraid of? Is that, you know, if you did your job the way you think you did, it's not going to be a problem. She's going to have learned all the things from you she needs. So you're kind of telling on yourself that you're that, that you're this worried. Yeah, and then it, like, cuts to a scene where Grace is with her stylist getting, like, all done up and, like, figuring out clothes to wear for the shoot and for, uh, um, a music video that she's doing for her dad's song, Misunderstood. There's just, like, so much obsession with this one song. Like, I've definitely had a song that I really liked on repeat for 50 days in a row, but, like, so many people are so obsessed with the song and pouring in so much time, energy, and money into it that it's just like, oh my god, we get it. It's, it's an okay song. Please move on. But she, um ends up having this weird interaction where the stylist gifts her lingerie and then says well it's more of a gift for Jay actually and I was like kind of horrified by that and then of course Quentin comes along and like bumps into her ends up finding the lingerie and Grace is super embarrassed and then Grace gives and then Quentin gives Grace cookies and they have another weird moment and Quentin says that he's going to be praying for her new songs because there's still like all this pressure and emphasis like hey Grace how's your new songs? How are your new songs coming along? And she's like they're great they're coming they're doing just fine when really she has nothing and it's very strange but it ends up coming up later this is like the one thing that actually comes up later on in the movie where quentin's like hey grace i'm praying for your songs and she's like cool thanks pal yeah um yeah the lingerie gift thing is a little weird but also it's not a, it's a weird gift to give to maybe anybody who's not like, <laughs> I don't know, who you don't know incredibly well. I I also unfortunately know your and my mom's views on lingerie and I can't get that out of my brain. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what, that I don't care about it necessarily? My stepdaughter, your stepdaughter episode, where you watched my stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. And you guys were very confused about the mom putting the lingerie back on after like the copulating was done. Oh, well, I, I will confess that I laundry is, is not. Okay. It, it doesn't do it doesn't do anything for me. It's not a thing. Like I don't. It doesn't matter to me. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's kind of a weird gift to give to somebody who you don't know really well. But it's also not an insane expectation that her stylist would have that, like, hey, you're a healthy eighteen-year-old girl. You're going out with this hunk. It's not insane that she would think they might be sleeping together only in this christian movie is it like oh my god how could she even imagine yeah like maybe it's just like my mormon brain but i've never been in a relationship with anybody other than like maybe a romantic intimate partner where i'd be okay with like anybody other than that romantic partner gifting me that like i would feel very weird especially when somebody that i don't know super duper well that i'm in a professional setting with gifts it to me 
and is like, this isn't a gift for you. It's a gift for your partner. Like, yeah, I, that's weird. It's it's not a bridal shower. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I just I can't imagine anything in my life where that would be okay for anybody other than a romantic partner of mine to gift that to me. Where I'd be like, yeah, this is normal and okay. So I kind of get like a little bit of pearl clutching, but also like it is it isn't that big of a deal. And I'm sure like it's Hollywood. People are giving each other weird gifts all the time, so. Yeah. Um, so she gets to meet Renee Taylor, who shows up to talk to her to ask, because she's considering her as an opening act for her own tour. Renee Taylor's the biggest pop star on the planet, somehow, while also having mediocre music and music videos. Um, she's, I think she's centered and supposed to be, like, the bad example like she's gonna be what grace turns into if she doesn't go home but she's like a normal working woman in hollywood like she knows what's up she like i don't know she's she's not a bad person she just is living her life and she's not a christian and that's fine but she definitely they definitely do try to villainize her to some degree and it just doesn't work it doesn't work well and it stems from her saying like look grace you're gonna have to like no, she does. Sex sells. Your body is your currency, and sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you have to spend it. I literally have that quote written down too. Which is, is it, not a great concept, but also not false. Given the world that they are in, she's trying to help this girl, give her advice, and prepare her for like, look, this is where we are. But also, this is what I've had to do. If you want to be me, you're probably gonna have to too. But it's treated as if. She's, like, the dark side of the force, like... Well, also, if you don't want to do it, I feel like Grace still has that... She still has, like, a power and autonomy to say, like, no, I am not super comfortable with that, even with people, like, trying to pressure her. And, like, they try to pressure her and be like, this is the reality of, like, the industry that you're trying to work in, which may be true, but, like, she... Grace still is given options and, like, control and autonomy, and she, like, still is able to, like, do what she wants to, like, a pretty large degree i don't know but um renee taylor also is the one who plants the seed in her head that her relationship is just a publicity stunt and says that she read her the article where jay gifted her flowers halfway through the article and honey they definitely weren't from jay so that's when grace starts to realize oh my god everything's a lie hollywood is terrible and evil and is lying to me Ah." but again it's this one boy like, <laughs> I don't know. It's not. It sucks, but it's not the end of the world. It shouldn't throw you off your entire career. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, then she overhears Jay being an asshole, which, again, unless you marry the first boy you like, like Grace does, and a lot of Christians do, you're going to run into some assholes. That's life. It's not good. But they, you know, they also, treat it so much like it's like, if you weren't Hollywood, this wouldn't happen. Bullshit. If you never left church and your father, this never would have happened. But also then she would have, she would have never met Quentin. But I don't know. Yeah, Dad, take that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she goes, she appears to be going on tour and like cue another weird emotional montage where like, cuts to scenes of her reading this book that Quentin gifts her about like following God and uh which he has read four, four times. times 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not reading a good book four times. What? I, okay. Well, no, there are books I have read. I've read the first Dragonlance book seven times. But look at how many books, we're sitting in a room full of my books. Look at how many books I have and understand that I know. I, I probably haven't read 40% of them. I don't have time to reread shit. I have to read new shit. Just like I don't have time to watch old things that I love because there's too many new things I might love. <laughs> Listen, I get I get where you're coming from, but you're also speaking to the person who in middle school read the Percy Jackson series seven times because I loved it so much. But... It's not... It's I'm not... The rereading of the book is not the problem. It's the book that he's rereading. Yeah, number that's one. The and two, like, just, I feel like that's the only book he's read. <laughs> it's that in the Bible. <laughs> like, I don't think that. Because there's a whole thing of. The room that they're in at, when they go to Quentin's mom's house, there's all these books on the wall. And she's like, oh, did you read all these? He's like, no, those are my dad's. Here's the book I've read four times, which tells me he doesn't read much yeah, else i would i don't think that boy knows how to read the bible he's a stunted boy um yeah because i i read the entire book of mormon out of spite and i've read a lot of mormon. out of spite well because i had all of these questions about the church and they kept on saying you just got to read the book of mormon that'll answer all your questions and I, like they kept on when they were like hey have you read this yet and i'd be like no i'm working on it like they shat on me and like made it like all of my knowledge about the church and all the questions I had were like completely insincere and inconsequential because I hadn't read this book. So I was like, fuck you guys. All right, I'll read it. And so I read it all and I was like, it still doesn't make sense. You fucking bastards. What do you mean? Which is, uh, uh, that's actually similar to what, like when I, I was a teenager, when I left the church and I found every religion that has a name and I read its book so that I could a understand it and B look at them all equally and go, Oh, they're all full of shit. Great. But I can pick and choose from each of them the things that actually make sense and seem good and smash them together, and that's how I'll live, and I don't need to tie myself to any of this nonsense. I know. Well, also another problem with the Mormon church is they keep on coming out with new doctrine, and they have a lot of other doctrine. And so then after the Book of Mormon, it was like, have you read Doctrine and Covenants yet? Have you read Pearl of Great Price yet? Have you read all of these other works and all of these other things? And how closely are you following and familiar with the Word of Wisdom? And I'm like... Oh my god. Oh my god. Anyways. No thank you. No thank you. DNC 132, not for me. Bye. Take that, Mormonism. You lost a good one. <laughs> a whole bunch of them. Um, oh. Yeah, here's another time that Mossy is right. Because she comes to him and she's like, hey, it's not cool that you're controlling my personal life. Which she's right, but. He counters with, you don't get to have a personal life right now. You are supposed to have a song written by the end of this week. You have nothing. You don't have time to be fucking around town on dates. You don't have time to wallow in sh Like, this is your job. I'm doing my job. You do your job. Yeah, it would. No song, no personal life. End of discussion. And yeah. he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I really, I'm going to keep saying it. I wish you would have been honest and upfront about, like, the, uh, the nature of her and Jay's relationship but like he wasn't wrong and he wasn't being like creepy or nefarious or trying to hurt her in any way and like thankfully she doesn't seem to actually like get hurt which is really really great and then also I was having I was keeping track of this great this movie almost passed the Bechdel test it almost, almost. did <laughs> I was like keeping track of it but every time she has a conversation with her mother it is about her father every time she has a conversation with her friend Rachel it is about her father 
every time she has a conversation with her stylist, it is about either Mossy or Jay. Yeah. And then um, she is trying to perform like this song that she half-assed through together after she and Mossy have this confrontation. It ends up being shit. She runs away crying, and she's like trying to perform it for the music producers and also Renee Taylor and her stylist and Quentin and everybody's there that we've met so far in the movie and the music industry. She it it like totally flops. It's terrible. She runs away crying, and her stylist and Renee Taylor go looking for her, and they like check the bathroom, but she's like, for some reason, standing on a toilet crying. So when they like real hiding. So when they look underneath like the stalls, they don't see her feet and don't think she's in the bathroom and tar- start talking shit about her. And they came so close to like not mentioning a man they came so (laughs) so close to not mentioning a man but then like they start talking about mossy and they're like well he'll just find a new girl to like make his millions on and to like make a star or whatever and then we'll just all move on and it'll be fine because it's hollywood and that's the way it works and they start talking about mossy and then jay and i'm like oh god damn it you were so fucking (laughs) close you were so fucking close to having like two women having a conversation that didn't involve a man but, but it almost did. It almost happened. It's rare. Happened. It's rare. Yeah, and Kendra says, you know, we'll find a girl who's not just riding her daddy's coattails with one song, which, she, again, she's not wrong. She's made to seem like the villainess of this film. She is correct. And the fact that you overheard that because you were having a baby fit and hiding in the bathroom is your fault. Because you... She's not wrong. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. But also, and yeah, this this song that she bombs is not good. But also, it's not wor- it's not any worse than Misunderstood, the song that's supposed to be the greatest song ever. Yeah. They're kind it, of equally terrible, so I don't know why it wasn't good enough. Yeah, and then they seem to like still be impressed enough with her to go forward with it. They're just like, "All right, we've learned you can't write for shit." We have a team of writers. We are, like, a music production company. We will just have other people write your songs, and you will just perform them. Which should have been the plan from the first... I know. If she had just admitted, I've never written a song before, I can't do it, instead of saying, oh, yeah, I write songs all the time. I'll have eight of them by the end of the week. Because hardly anybody writes their own songs. And that's okay. Unfortunately. But, yeah, but that's... So it shouldn't be a surprise that, like, yeah, you don't have to write your own songs. It's fine. Just let us know <laughs> that you're not some, you know, yeah. ingenue. You can, we can take care of that for you. So it, it presents, as it does many times in the movie, it presents a dilemma and then immediately diffuses it with no consequence. Like Yeah, well, they also, I was impressed. They actually, like, brought something in from the earlier in the show and brought it back because, like, Grace ends up getting really mad at Quentin before she storms out after her horrible performance and is yeah. like you prayed for my songs right a lot of good it did and it's just like a really weird scene it's such a whiny but again this is what white girl problems this is like yeah, people didn't like my shitty song and that boy said he'd pray for me and he didn't like <laughs> i lied about what i was doing yeah, and also caught up to me. you oh, lied no. but yeah, so she ends up going back on tour with Renee Taylor, it seems, and she ends up, like, meeting up with her family, too, and, like, reconnecting with them a little bit, and her dad is like, I guess you can live your life, I relinquish you, whatever, and I'm like, no, you didn't get to relinquish her in the first place, she was not yours to relinquish, <laughs> like, when she was a child, she was in your care and under your protection, and you had to, like, take care of her, but, like, you did not own her, she is still her own person, leave her be, but, like, at least 
at least he like came to some degree to terms with that but it still well, wasn't yeah we're at home with mom and dad and he's like obsessively watching her video which again is a really <laughs> lame music video just like renee taylor's was it kind Absolutely. of they're very similar videos actually it's just really gross because that's something my dad would do too and i was just like ugh, ugh. <laughs> i just if he was very obsessed with a young woman or a young person or anything like that he would just sit there and rewatch it over and over and over again i can't even begin to tell you how many times i've listened to like selena gomez's like that can't keep my hands to myself like that song because he would just sit there on the couch and watch your music video and listen to it over and over and over and over again. And that's just what it reminded me of. And it was so creepy and gross and weird. And I did not like it. It like, ugh. I, I, I want to clarify for the listeners in case you misheard. She's not talking about me. No. <laughs> she's talking about her actual father who is, would it be fair to say, a piece of shit. I feel like that's putting it very, very nicely. Okay. But for the record. For the record. <clears throat> Heath would not do that. Heath is not that creepy or weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so dad's watching the video. And like now he gets it. He's like, oh, shit. She is great at this. Like, well, no kid. The whole reason you had her in the band was because you thought she was great. Like, why? I don't. It's so strange. But so now he, he's come around. He gets up. He feels bad. And there's a very strange moment where, again, this guy is so self-centered and because mom is sitting on the couch and he comes over and he wants to hug her. And instead of sitting next to her and hugging her like he a normal human would do, he stops her. in front of her and goes, get up. He orders her to get <laughs> up and give him a hug. It's so fucked up. Oh, I don't like that. Also, Grace made a child hugger in the very beginning of the movie, too. Like she was some sort of music teacher that she had for yes. like a piano teacher for some of the kids in her church's congregation and she kind of ends up abandoning them but that doesn't seem to be like a super big plot point like they touch back on it at the like a couple of times throughout <laughs> the movie but it's not like this big horrendous evil deal but like also that was a little shitty of her to leave her students high and dry without an explanation especially when she was like i promise to be at your recitals and then just kidding i'm going to hollywood and like no explanation but she like did make her student hug her which i thought was very very weird and churchy and typical but I just, no, don't make people hug you. If they don't want to <laughs> hug you, let them be. Leave them be. Yeah, there's this little boy that we cut back to a couple times. We see that she was teaching piano, and we cut back at one point to him. She was playing piano by himself. And I think the notion that the movie's presenting to us is, well, isn't it, see, isn't it sad that she left and abandoned these kids? But he can get another piano teacher first off. Secondly, we've heard her play piano. She's just okay. She's not Beethoven. And we see this kid perform by himself at, like, the church talent show or whatever. And he did fine. And he's fine without her around. So don't try to sell us on the idea of, like, oh, it, see, she also ruined this kid's life, too, <laughs> being yeah. selfish. Like, no, that kid is fine. She, yeah, her dad comes around and then they end up reconnecting and meeting up while she's on tour and her tour stops in like Alabama or whatever. And also, like, her dad relinquishes her to do whatever she wants. And it's like, yeah, she could always do, like, she could do that. You didn't need to, like, give her permission to do that, sir. And uh, they also have, like, a really weird goodbye as well, where, like, hey, at least they didn't force her to hug her, but she just kind of, like, awkwardly waves at them and, like, dashes onto a bus really quick while they're all, like, stand there posed, like, looking like American Gothic. And it's very <laughs> strange. 
Well, and then also, mom and dad brought preacher and preacher's wife with, too, Which is why to see her. Yeah. Well, I guess she's back in their town, but I don't. I also don't know what this tour is. I have so many questions because, again, you have one song. You have not recorded the rest of the album yet. You have not written a second song yet. Mossy has offered you a second song, which you have refused to do because it's about a one-night stand. That's fine. But you have one song. What is this tour? Yeah. You have a tour bus to go city to city to play one song? Nonsense! It's wild. And, like, even I, I thought she was opening for Renee Taylor, but even to just open for one person over and over and over again with one song would be like, all right, buddy, get anything else? You know, like, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, maybe? We get it. This is a cool song, but, like, Jesus. It would be like if... Well, not really, because they were already big. But let's just say you went to see Blink-182. An opening for Blink-182 is My Chemical Romance. And they came out and sang the Black Parade and then fucked off and Blink-182 came out. And they, they did, did the one song you know. <laughs> That's, and they went on tour to do that. It's insane. Yeah, yikes. But Except that My Chemical Romance is awesome and was already big at that point, And probably Blink-182 opened for them. So that's not a great great analogy but you know what i mean yeah but also uh, oh what happened next well so we meet and this she should feel insulted pia toscano who was an actual american idol contestant appears in this movie for about 10 seconds and has one line in which like she's the uh, next up and comer and mossy's like she's like well, what if you can do for me what you've done for gracie trey then I'll be good. And he's like, I can do that, no problem. But sh- this is an actual American Idol contestant who is in this movie and is meant to be fawning over this girl who this would not make it through American Idol. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. That's a little embarrassing. Um, yeah, reunion with the parents, gets over Renee Taylor... Yeah, and here's where Quentin starts shaming her because she's sort of questioning, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I want this, but I also want to go home, so I don't know what I should do. And Quentin says, if you want it, and he's, this bitch boy (laughs) is on the verge, not even on the verge of tears. He's rolled, like, he has wet eyes as he's telling her, if you're just doing it for yourself and not God, you're like fighting God and that's why it doesn't feel right and you should just go home. Who cares if this is your dream? Like and he's crying. It's crazy. Everybody should be living for God. Everything you do is for God. And if you can't, that's so horrible. I'm going to sob about it at this random beach that we happen to have this conversation on. But here's an idea. Maybe use the fame you're about to acquire being a <gasps> secular musician. That's a platform that you can use from then on if you want to preach or talk about your dad or whatever. Talk about alcoholism, drug abuse, like any pertinent topic you want. And you can give this message to the little girls who are going to be listening to you. But that's, you'd rather just go home and sing to the same 30 people in a room over and like. The same 30 very unenthused. And also continue being middle class like not that there's anything wrong with middle class but like they're about to for no conceivable reason 
because of this one song that you did not write and you sort of sing, they are about to drive dump trucks full of money up to your house. And that's not enough for you because it's not, it's not worship singing. Because Mossy makes a point to tell, and it's the reason, we, I should go back, it's the reason that Johnny Trey wouldn't take the deal that he offered to go back on tour was because he's like, well, you know, you can't sing any of your gospel, the Christian stuff, right? And that was the deal breaker where Johnny's like, oh, well, forget it then. <laughs> like, but people don't want to hear that. Uh, Even people who are listening to it actively don't really want to hear it. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's her thing is that, like, she doesn't want to do this song that he offered her that was supposed to be a Renee Taylor song. And he's like, and, like, and you can't just fill it up with, like gospel songs it's not that is not going to sell we're in a business here not that there aren't there are christian singers who have made preposterous amounts of money for what they do but then none of them will ever be like the success of amy grant is like the most that's ever happened where someone crossed over and became you know but Christians are so desperate for good music and they don't have it that they will start calling bands Christian bands that aren't. Like Evanescence was accused of being a Christian band for years just because they didn't swear and they didn't, you know. And Evanescence was always like, but we're not, though. And they're like, yeah, you are. And they would say, you know, like, we need this, please. Well, also, <laughs> you can enjoy music without it having to be, like, explicitly, like, about God and Christ and, like, Christianity 24-7. Like, if it adheres to, like, your moral standpoint what you want to listen to and you sincerely enjoy it and like your place of worship has no like problem with it or your religion has no problem with it just enjoy the music it doesn't need to be explicitly christian in order for you to enjoy it like you're allowed to enjoy like the general worldly songs like i don't know maybe maybe you're not allowed to and i just don't know what i'm talking about but like no a lot of them feel that way is that if it's not specifically this worship music you uh, every song is Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every song is just the filthiest. And it's true. It hap that's the reason that I left the church in the first place was because I had a youth minister who dressed in black and drove a motorcycle and listened to secular music, you know. But that was the guy who, if you wanted, you wanted kids to think this bullshit is cool and stick with this stuff. That's the guy you wanted because he's one of the best people I've ever known. But they chucked him out of the church for those reasons. And that's when I went, oh, well, I'm done with this then because this is Yikes. nonsense. Yeah. You know? It's just, like, so, so weird that they have, like, such a weird warped moral standpoint where, like, if you deviate from, like, this really super hyper-specific, idealistic way of living, then your garbage and a lot of a lot of like christian faiths seem to have that and it's kind of really really upsetting like you can still be a good person and drive a motorcycle you can still be a good person and have a tattoo like i don't know it just they just hyper fixate so much on like these small weird controlling aspects that like have nothing to do with like a human being's worth and integrity but i mean and it's just really really weird and quite off-putting and upsetting like now you can still be a good person and enjoy sex and have premarital sex. You can still be a good person and enjoy coffee and alcohol. You can, the list goes on. You can be a good person and listen to music that's not explicitly Christian music. In fact, I'll take that a step further and say that anyone who 
and I know my brother's listening to this, so forgive me, my brother, because <laughs> I'm talking not specifically about you, but anyone who waits for their wedding night to have sex is a lunatic because you are signing yourself up for potentially a lifetime of terrible sex, and you could have avoided it if you had done the smart thing <laughs> instead of the air quotes right thing. It's such a ludicrous concept. I can't even, I can't even. I don't understand it either, but if that's really something that you, if that's a hill that you want to die on and is a boundary you want to set within your relationship, that's your business. You can do what you want. I don't agree with that. I think it's a little weird too, but like you do what you want, but don't force others to adhere to that standard. And also like, don't think that is like the pinnacle of what being a good Christian and a good person means. Or that that's what your value is. And that's the big, that's a big problem with this purity ring shit is that like, oh, if you're not a virgin anymore, I can't sell you for eight bags of wheat. Like, this isn't biblical times. Like, that is not her value as a human being is whether she has a hymen or not. It's preposterous. Yeah. Your worth as a human being is not dictated by, like, your sexual activity. Unless you're, like, being harmful to others with your sexual activity, then, like, we're gonna have yeah, a problem. We're with not that. talking to you, pedophiles. You're bad. But like, if you are entering relationships like consensually with other people who are able to offer that consent, and you're like living your best life and having a good time, just have fun. That makes you a good person. One would even think that that's what a loving God would want you to do. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Anyways. Anyways. This always happens with these Christian movies. Uh. They cut, I mean, I don't know how, out of 26 episodes, I've gotten three. That's a pretty high percentage, I feel like, out of completely random, but. I, no, dude, there are so many Christian so movies many. out there. But I was shocked that this one was on HBO Max, an actual, and not like Tubi or some shit, or Amazon Prime, like the other ones, but. Mm. All right, let's, let's wrap this up. We're getting towards the end here. Um, so, yeah, so. Get after this tearful, stupid speech from Quentin, she decides he's right, runs off back to Alabama to be with the family, and here's where I take real issue with her, because this is some selfish shit, because there is a studio that has been paid for and rented where Mossy and her band are waiting for her, and she did not tell them, hey, I'm not coming. No, I she left a note for Mossy that he finds later, but you see them standing around in the studio waiting for her to show up, and she's not showing up. Because yeah. she's gone back to Alabama. You have wasted these people's time and money. I, it, but then also after, like, she runs away to Alabama and they, like, kind of build it up. Like, she's standing out in a patch of sunlight, like, holding a guitar or something like that. Like, looking very, like, confused and, like, a little peaceful and serene. Like, she's thinking about something. And then they show them preparing in the studio. And then, like, they cut back to her. And, like, there's, like, this anticipation build up of, like, is she going to do this raunchy song that she's not super comfortable with for Mossy? Um, but I think, like, maybe he did find the note earlier on, because, like, after it cuts to her, like, performing at her church and having her big emotional, like, scene and climax of the movie, um, it cuts to, like, that other chick, the, uh, American Idol contestant singing in the studio. So maybe, like, maybe she didn't completely screw him over. Maybe, like, Mossy found the note before. <clears throat> oh, maybe they were so, there for her. But they make it look like she has abandoned them. It, it doesn't make it look like it, but then they do cut to, like, that other American Idol. So maybe she didn't completely screw them over and they were able to, like, prepare and have this other person on hand. So That's a good point. Maybe she wasn't, like, a complete dick there. Like, she still was a little bit, but, like, not as bad, but... So now she's back at church, and she's up in front of the 
her parents and the whole congregation to sing a song. But before that, she gives a little speech in which she tearfully begs forgiveness from this building full of people. For what? You have done nothing to these people. Like, and it, it again implies, like, she abandoned her piano student. But, like, he was fine. He was fine. He was still able to go out there and play the piano and do his thing and live his life. Like, he was fine. She apologizes to her parents and, like, all of her dishonesty. And, like, and then, like, her going off while she was on stage and, like, trying to do her own thing. And she's, it's just, like... No, none of these things that you did actually affected these people negatively. You have nothing to apologize for. That's weird. No, the only thing you have done to these people is deprive them of your singing voice for a couple months. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you don't need to beg forgiveness for that. I don't know if I would say, like, she deprived them because she was also on the radio. She was, like, she ended up charting in this movie. I think she hit, like, number nine charting-wise in this movie. No, they go out of their way to show there's a screen on the internet that says that she's matched her father at number three. Oh, I I forgot about that. Yeah, she literally charted, so these people still didn't escape her singing voice. They still had complete access to it. She made a whole music video singing about it. They're okay. They're fine. You did nothing wrong. But then she also sits down and she plays, like, her first original song that she actually wrote herself. And I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't terrible. Like, it wasn't as bad. Like, it was, like, misunderstood level. It was on the piano, like, the good little girl she is, listening to her daddy, and that's was, the problem. Yeah, and that's the problem. And I was like, oh my god, this song was actually, like, okay, but when you put it in, like, connotation, like, she's begging for forgiveness from her dad and, like, trying to appease him by, like, playing the piano and, like, doing everything that he wanted her to do. Even And the song lyrically is about, like, literally. oh, there's a whole, please forgive me, there was a whole world out there and I thought I wanted that, but everything I need is actually right here, which is so fucking sad, I can't even talk about it. Like... There's a whole world out there beyond this church building, and you're never going to experience it, and and it's sad. She just, like, dipped her toe into it, too. She didn't even experience the whole world. Like, she she experienced, like, a weird aspect of Hollywood that not a lot of people do, but there's still a lot to the world other than that that she could have, like, gone out and experienced. She doesn't need to, like, sequester herself back into, like, this community and this church that she, like, clearly was not happy with for such a long time. But... And also... I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but in Hollywood, was not treated that badly. <laughs> like, no, she wasn't. Yeah. Everything was pretty okay. Like, <laughs> also, compared to a lot of people, like, she never got, there was no casting couch. There was no, like, like nobody, she escaped so much shit that women have had to deal with when they get to Hollywood that she did should, not. Nobody should have to experience that, and I'm very happy that she didn't have to experience that. But, like, she still was insanely lucky and privileged that she didn't. And, like, that's not touched upon at all, and I feel like that would have been, like, a really good, huge, big issue. Like, if you really want to paint Hollywood out to be, like, this horrible, evil monster, like, actually show some horrible, evil sides to it, not just be like... You have to be a little promiscuous every once in a while. You might sing a song that's promiscuous. You might wear an outfit or do a photo shoot that's a little promiscuous. Like, no, there are people, like, doing seriously gross, terrible things in Hollywood. Like, maybe actually highlight that a little bit more to, like, make your movie and your point, like, have a little bit more substance if you... There was just so much... But it's a a Christian movie. It's not... A, it's not going to have substance, and B, we're not going to 
the audience needs to feel good at all times. <laughs> like, we're never going to make them have a, a harsh feeling. But it's not... But the movie treats those little inconveniences that presented themselves to her in Hollywood as if they were those horrible things. And it's just so unbalanced and so and also goofy. She seems to be, like, returning herself to her father as well. And, like, that's super not cool. Like, you are your Barf. own... Ugh, you are your own person. You can do your own thing. You are not your father's property. Go out and live your life and experience the world. If this is, like, the life you want to choose, you can choose, like, to live, like, a happy, like, um, Christian musician in, like, this little community. Like, you can choose that without being, like, oh, yes, I'm returning myself to my father type of situation. Like, you still have autonomy. It's still your choice. You're still an adult. You can do what you want. Yeah, and if this is what you prefer to do, more power to you. But don't act as if you've made some huge sacrifice, because the only thing you sacrificed was being rich and famous. <laughs> like, you haven't, but you haven't actually suffered whatsoever. And guess what? She still gets everything in the end anyway. Yes. Because oh guess my God. how this music? <laughs> they guess how this movie ends? Get oh. It cuts. She, it cuts to two years later. And because apparently, because she is such a phenomenal artist despite all evidence to the contrary that we couldn't get her to do these secular songs we are going to create an entire division of our record label so that her and her dad can make music on it yeah. which is impossible she gets engaged to quentin who is running this record label who was an intern six months ago like it's ludicrous <laughs> Yeah, it's just so wild. And then there's, like, another uncomfy scene that, like, seems to cement, like, she is still her father's mm -hmm. property, where, like, they're walking backstage and they're talking about, like, their success and how they have, like, this deal with, like, this big record label and how they're, they're finally able to fulfill their dreams and do what they want in, like, the good Christian way. And Quentin and Grace start holding hands and her father was like, who gave you permission to hold my daughter's hand? And it's, like, kind of played as a joke, but kind of a little serious. And he's like, oh, don't mind if I do, sir. Thank you. Sorry. And, like, no! She is allowed to hold her partner's hand. That's so fucking weird. Why did you need to throw that in? It's so unnecessary. And it just, like, just further cements the point that, like, this is a weird, creepy, controlling culture. And, like, that you're pushing on us. Like, no! It, ugh. Especially since... That would be a weird joke to make, even if this is the first time you've met this boy. Like, if she came and was like, oh, I've been going out with this guy for a couple weeks, here he is, and we're holding hands. That would still be a weird fucking joke to make. But they are engaged. They've been together for two years. You are out of line, sir. Keith, from now on, every time you see Austin, my partner, you need to get on him for holding my hand. I'm requiring you to do that from now on, just All to right. like see how weird it is in real life. Because it'd be pretty fucking weird. I'm not going to tell Austin. Austin, no, don't listen you, to this podcast. You need to explain to him afterwards what the what the, <laughs> what the the bit was. Because I don't want him thinking that I'm a fucking just, lunatic. No, because just like, that would be so weird of you to do. Like, to, oh, God, that would be, it's just weird. Not necessary. And further cement. I mean, if you want, I'll do it. But I just want, <laughs> I don't want it to be a thing he never finds out the truth about. <laughs> Like, ten years later, we're at your deathbed. Not ten years later, but, like... Jesus. <laughs> like, six years. I got vaccinated yesterday, I'll let you know. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I still smoke, though, so... Could 60 be. to 70 years later, preferably more, we're at your deathbed, and Austin's like, dude, what the fuck was up with that hand-holding thing? And you're like, god damn it, Brenna. 
It was a bit. It was a bit. No, I'm dying, and you reach for his hand for comfort, and he's like, and he pulls his hand back because I'm looking at him. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It's just weird. And then the movie ends, and they still got everything they wanted yeah. and more. Everybody wins. Nothing was sacrificed. No one learned to, well, Dad maybe kind no, of learned a lesson, but kind of not really. He didn't because he was still like, who gave you permission to hold my daughter's hand? He didn't learn shit. Nobody learned shit. There was no point to this movie other than, like, you weird Christian white privilege just got you whatever you wanted in Hollywood and everything worked out and like ugh, I don't know it was it's it's a Christian movie that's long story how short, we do I will say I was impressed because like there wasn't a ton of and I kind of said it before there wasn't a ton of like slut shaming on other people which is like something that I've seen happen a lot in like other Christian movies and like Christian mediums but, like, I didn't feel like they were consistently shaming the other women that were actively participating in Hollywood culture. They still were, like, villainized and demonized to a certain degree, but it wasn't, like, just the women. It was, like, Hollywood as a whole. And, like, they weren't going after, I don't know. It just, they weren't as nasty as they could have been to women, and I appreciated that. Like, women who were participating in the Hollywood culture. And I still felt like there were, was a good representation of, like, this is a choice that Grace made. These are the boundaries she set. These are choices these women made. These are the boundaries we set. Nobody was taken advantage of, hopefully, from what we could see in the, this medium and this world. I know, unfortunately, it happens in real life all the time, every day, and I really wish it wouldn't. But, like, long story short, like, everybody seemed to have, like, autonomy in this Hollywood culture and could do what they want. And, like, that was really cool to see. And I know, like, you're supposed to watch this with, like, a weird Christian view, like, a weird, interesting secular christian view of some sort where you're supposed to see like no they are being terrible horrible jezebels for doing this but like from my layman's perspective like a worldly person who's like not religious anymore any at all i was like hey that's cool you didn't like demonize these women for being like sexy like thanks you didn't do that as much as you could have and like it's a really low bar to set but they didn't do it as much as like other christian movies have done and i appreciated that so that was really cool. And all in all, I feel like if we uh, respected each other's boundaries a little bit more, if these characters respected each other's boundaries and like were a little bit more honest and open up front about boundaries, like all of the weird, uncomfy conflict wouldn't have been a thing. And it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be. No, it's of, I, will, I will say of, of the three Christian movies we've done, I would put this one in the middle. I think Welcome to Paradise is a more entertaining movie with a better message and I think that Saving Grace was a incredibly bizarre movie with a absolutely repellent message so this is somewhere in the middle but I don't feel the message is good but it's competently the, made ultimately what was the message that this movie was trying to convey like white girls get whatever they want it seems like <laughs> yeah I don't, it was just I'm not good I didn't I still don't fully understand like what the message was like you're supposed to honor your mother and father mainly your father only your father and you'll still get everything you ever wanted and more I don't know but also like none of that stuff would have happened at the end if Grace hadn't gone out of her way to go to Hollywood so like what even was the message are we supposed to do that are we not supposed to do that are you supposed to do that but make sure we stick to our moral values and also like what was up with her one weird random binge drink that was never like touched upon again I don't know. All in all, 
I'd, I'd rate this movie like a four out of ten, and that's pretty good for a Christian movie because most Christian movies would get like a zero or a negative score on that. But yeah, I would recommend you listen to the Saving Grace episode. We had fun with that one because that was a wacky movie. Oh, I will. Um, that will do it for us this week. It is time for me to push the magic button to figure out what next week's random chosen from everything that's streaming movie will be. Drumroll, please. It is The Visitor from 1979. It's on Tubi. Directed by John Huston. Hmm. Looks like a odd sort of science fiction, perhaps horror movie. I have never heard of this. That'll be interesting. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. Yep, The Visitor on Tubi. That's your homework for next week, should you choose to accept it. Thank you for being here. Brenna, where can people find you should you choose to be found? Instagram? I know you're not Twitter too much, but... Um, I, I re-downloaded Twitter. I, I deleted it for a while because it became a little too much. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Brenna underscore Morwen. I also have a cat on Instagram that I post a little bit more for, at Chernobyl the cat, and I think she's pretty great. So if you want to follow a cool cat on Instagram, I would highly recommend it. Also, props to Heath, because before this, me and my siblings picked up some Olive Garden, and I can, like, feel the Olive Garden breath, like, seep out of my mouth as I'm speaking, and he's put up with it like a champ, so thanks, Heath. I noticed not at all, so. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Yes. Five down, two to go. It's just Christian Fox left. We'll get to him. That'll do it for me. That'll do it for her. That'll do it for the show. Have a good week.